Great to see you all here in person and those of you watching online, as Chad said, uh, you could be watching football and if by chance you are watching football on another screen, your team will lose. I'm just saying right now. Um, so, uh, <laughs> But uh, it's great to be back with you guys. I was out of town for a couple of weeks uh, doing some ministry in Sydney, Australia with our Every Nation family there. Uh, we have just amazing churches down in the Oceania region uh, in Australia, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, and in Fiji. And I think we have a, a picture of the conference there. Uh, just some amazing pastors and leaders and it's just such a privilege to be a part of a, a larger spiritual family called Every Nation. Do we have that picture? There it is. And uh, yeah, just ama- amazing folks from all around uh, that region. And you know, one of the things I love about being a part of this spiritual family is getting to see what God's doing around the world. And you know, God's doing great things here in Hawaii, but man, he's doing some awesome things around the world and we get to be a part of that. So it's an amazing privilege to do that. I heard so many amazing stories about what God's doing through our leaders there. Um, and one, one, I want to show you this picture. This is uh, Pastor Jarrett Suniula. He is our pastor in Fiji. Uh, he's a tank of a man. And uh, I like to say we worked out together at the gym, um, but that's a lie. See, when you work out, with, uh, I actually worked out next to him. I didn't work out with him. See, there's a big difference, okay? When you work out next to someone, you can take a selfie and feel cool about yourself. When you work out with Pastor Jarrett, you're not walking the next day. Because I was watching what this dude was doing. I was like, bro, no way. So I put my headphones on. I said, I'll see you later. And I went someplace else so he couldn't judge my poor workout. But anyway, Pastor Jarrett pastors our church in Fiji, and they're doing just tremendous things. There's a picture of uh, the Fiji delegation there, and they're getting ready to plant a church in the kingdom of Tonga in the near future. So if you know any Fijians or Tongans, uh, connect, I'll help you connect with them because God's going to do some great stuff there. Uh, one of our other guest speakers uh, at this conference was a, a person by the name of Dr. Marcy Verduin, one of the top psychologists in the world, and uh, she, he opened up a door for her to speak to uh, National Mental Health Day in Fiji, talking to people from um, the World Health Organization and the UN and, and, and government there in Fiji. And it's just such an amazing thing to see the doors that God is opening for our church there. So continue to pray. And uh, if you know family and friends, I'd love to help connect them because God's going to continue to do great stuff in that region of the world. Amen. I also got to see some kangaroos. Um, I just thought I'd share that. Pastor Norman, they're, they're bouncing around at the park, um, just like you'd see a squirrel or a mongoose in Hawaii. Just a kangaroo just hopped out of the bushes, just right, you know, no big deal. <laughs> Freaked me out. But anyway, amen. Um, well, we're continuing our series, Made for Greatness. Uh, and we've been looking at the life of David. And if you were here last week, you know that David began his journey to greatness to become the king of Israel, arguably one of the greatest kings of Israel, as an obscure shepherd boy. In fact, he was so obscure that he was even neglected by his own family. The prophet came to town and his father, Jesse, didn't even invite him to the dinner. He said, you got to stay out there with the sheep. And David went from obscurity to the palace, but there was a process that God had to develop him through. And even though he was abandoned and forgotten by his family, God didn't forget about him. Amen. If you were here last week or you watched online, you remember that even though his parents ignored him, God saw his heart. And he saw his faithfulness while he was out tending the sheep. And God said, even though man looks at the outward, I look at the heart. I see the heart. And you know what that tells me? It doesn't matter how people may treat us or mistreat us. God sees our hearts. Amen. And if we're faithful to him, he is faithful to us. And no matter what circumstances we may find ourselves in externally, people may not give us the opportunities we want or open the doors, or they may even slam doors in our face. God sees the heart. And he can open doors that no man can shut. Can I hear an amen to that? We've only got one person to please. His name is Jesus. And I've got good news for you. If you're in Christ, he loves you already. And he's made you for greatness already. Can I hear an amen to that? We've got a head start if we're in Christ. And so we're going to continue 
looking at the journey of David today because after being anointed the king, he went into King Saul's service, the current King Saul's service, became one of his armor bearers. And there was a moment where the Philistine army came to attack the nation of Israel. They were at war with one another. And we're going to pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, where this guy by the name of Goliath comes as the Philistine champion to face off against whoever Israel's champion may be, that whoever wins this epic battle will, will, will become the rulers and the other army will become subject to them. This is a high stakes moment. And we pick it up here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 8, as we see how God made David for greatness. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Note that. Verse 16, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand against the nation of Israel. Now get the picture here. Two armies, one on one mountainside, one on the other, a valley in the middle of the Philistine giant. Goliath comes down and begins calling out the armies of Israel. Come and fight me, right? And what is, what is the response of King Saul? and the people of God. They're terrified. Scripture later on tells us they're hiding in fear in caves over this, this threat and this taunt from the enemy. First thing I want us to see before as we dive into this is that fear can easily intimidate and paralyze us from pursuing our purpose. Fear can intimidate and paralyze us for, from pursuing the purpose of God for our lives. They were hiding in fear of the threat of the enemy. And just like Goliath coming out to taunt the armies of Israel, the enemy, our enemy, the devil, continually taunts us and puts fear in front of us to get us to want to shrink back in fear and to hide rather than moving forward and pursuing our purpose because Israel was called to conquer the Philistines. Rather than moving forward, they moved back in fear. And there are a lot of things in this world and in life that can cause us to shrink back in fear. Am I right? I mean, we went through two, two years of a global pandemic that can easily get us to want to shrink back and to continue to just play it safe and live small rather than live big for God. Rather than moving forward in faith, we want to move backward in fear. There's a lot of things that can cause us to do that. Now we're dealing with a global economy that's scary. And maybe rather than taking steps of faith to, to do whatever God's calling us to do, we may just want to shrink back and play it safe because of the fear of what may or may not happen. We've got wars and rumors of wars happening around the world. And, and all of these things can cause us to want to shrink back rather than move forward in faith. And then on top of that, we just have the circumstances that happen in our own lives, with their families and in our relationships. And we can just easily say, you know what? I'm not going to take any risks. I'm not going to take anything. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to take any steps for God. I'm just going to play it safe and hang on tight. And that's what was going on with the Israelite army. They were playing it safe. They were hiding in fear at the taunts of the enemy. But somebody had to step up. And that, that man's name was David, or that boy was David. David was, after being anointed king, he went back to tending sheep, and he served King Saul. And one of the things that he did, his father, Jesse, asked him to take food down to his brothers who were in the army. He, he was an Uber Eats driver for a moment, right? He said, deliver food to your brothers on the front line. And when David went down to the front line, he saw the scene playing out. Goliath taunting, everyone hiding. And he was incensed in his heart. Why is no one standing up? Why is no one taking steps of faith? And we pick up the story here in verse 32. 
David said to Saul, after he heard Goliath's taunts, saw no one taking steps of faith. He said, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, your servant or me, I will go and fight him. Now remember, David was just, he was just a boy. He had to be under the age of 20 because at the age of 20, he would have been in the army already. So he was a teenager saying, I'll do it. If no one's going to step up in faith, I'll do it. If no one's willing to step up in faith and face this giant, then I will. I will go and fight him. Verse 33, Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. David had the face, the fear of potentially facing Goliath. And now these words that you can't do it. You're not going to make it. You're not enough, David. You're going to fail if you step out and try. Anybody ever heard those words spoken over you? Maybe it was from somebody else, somebody on the outside. Maybe it's just the words in your own head. You can't do it. If you step in faith, you're going to fail. If you step up, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna die, right? He had all of these external circumstances weighing him down. Verse 34. But watch what David said in reply. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. Watch his, watch his confession. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul, the king, said to David, go and the Lord be with you. I want to give us three thoughts this morning on how God will prepare us, how we are made in these moments for the greatness that God has for every single one of our lives. The first thing here is we are made for greatness through having a heart of a servant, through having a heart of a servant. I love what David said right at the beginning, verse 32, your servant will go and fight him. See, God has greatness made for every single one of us, but it starts by having a heart of a servant. He said, your servant will go. Now, remember, David was just anointed to be king, right? Remember last week, the prophet Samuel came, anointed him. He said, you're the next king of Israel. And then he goes back to being a shepherd, right? And then he goes to serve the current king, who, by the way, wasn't a good king. <laughs> if you know the story, he was a wicked king. God had rejected him as king because of his evil and his wickedness, which is why he anointed David. David goes to serve this wicked king. And then he's delivering food. He's an Uber Eats driver for his dad for a little while, all the while being anointed king. Now, I don't know about you. I would have a really hard time going back to being a, a shepherd if I was just anointed king. Anybody else want to be honest in church this morning? All right. Can you imagine after the dinner was over, Prophet Samuel anoints him, you're the next king of Israel. He leaves. And then, and then Jesse, his dad's like, so are you going to go back out and tend those sheep? I'd be like, did you not hear what the prophet just said to me? <laughs> right? Did you? I, I'm sorry, dad. Uh, I am the king last I checked. No, no, no. King, go tend the sheep. Can you imagine that humble walk of shame to go back out to tend the sheep, sitting out there in the fields all the while knowing I'm anointed king, all the while the wicked king is serving in the, in, in, you know, in the thing, and, and, and you're out there tending sheep? But see, David understood something. I'm called to be a servant first. Before I'm called to be great, I'm called to be a servant, which is why now in this moment, talking to the king facing Goliath, he's saying, I'm still your servant. He didn't come, you know, puffing up his chest. I'm the man. He loses. No one wants to fight this guy. I'm the man. I'm the king, by the way, and I'll prove it right now. No, he didn't come with that bravado. He came with a spirit of humility and servanthood. 
And that's what God is looking for from each of us. Can I hear an amen to that? Because before we're great, we first have to be a servant. And look at what Jesus says about this. Because he said this exact same thing several, uh, a couple thousand years later. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. That's what people do. We lord our power over other people. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. See, if we want to become great in the eyes of God, and great in the place where God sees he can trust us with greater authority and greater blessing later on, we first have to develop the heart of a servant in ourselves. So David had to go back tending sheep. We don't know exactly how old he was when he was anointed to be king, but some theologians say anywhere between 10 and 15. We know he didn't actually become the king until he was age 30. So for about 10 to 15 years, David continued to be a servant. That's a long time after being anointed king. I can't imagine doing that. I can't imagine sitting out there with the sheep. And by the way, sheep aren't pleasant creatures. Have you ever been around sheep? They're not pleasant. They're not like tending puppies, okay? I mean, you ask me to tend puppies. Oh, yeah, I'll do that all day. Sheep are nasty. They smell real, real bad. You know when you're nearing sheep because you smell them. It assaults you before you even see them, all right? And he's out there tending. And we've said this before. Sheep are dumb. They wander off. They fall in cracks. They do all kinds of dumb things. And I can just imagine being, why am I here, God? I'm, you said I'm the king. Why do I have to deal with these problems and these sheep out here all by myself, abandoned, neglected, forgotten? What God was doing in that moment was developing in David the character of a servant. And the heart of a servant, which then manifested when he now is talking to the king again. See, God is always working to develop inside of us this heart of a servant. To understand it's not about lording over. It's not about power so that I can be recognized and all that. It's about being a servant. And the blessing that we, re we receive and the power that we may be given at some point isn't for, supposed to be for us. It's supposed to be so that we can serve others even more. Just as Jesus said, even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Amen? I mean, if anyone could have lorded it, it would have been Jesus. But he came to give his life. He came to pour out his blood. He came to die on a cross. And similarly, if we're going to be great in the eyes of God, we have to develop, first of all, the heart of a servant. See, if we help others become successful, God will one day bring others to help us be successful. If we're, if we're faithful to serve others, God will bring others who will be faithful to serve us. The question we have to ask ourselves is, how are we doing at developing this heart of a servant and faithfully serving the people that God's placed in our lives? God is looking for that because greatness, first of all, begins with the heart of a servant. Can I hear an amen to that? The second thing that we see is faithfulness in insignificant moments or seemingly insignificant moments prepares us for the significant moments of life. The insignificant moments prepares us for the significant moments of life. I love this. Going back to verse 34, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. Now, I don't know about you. This is an extraordinary passage. Okay. Because uh, he got attacked by a lion and a bear. <laughs> Anybody else got attacked by a lion or a bear recently? <laughs> I got attacked by a dog once. Not the same thing. Amen. Okay. Not the same thing. And when the lion and the bear came while he was tending the sheep and carried off a sheep, he went after it. 
I don't know about you. If someone car- if a blind or bear carried off one of my shots, I'd be like, bye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nice to know you, Fluffy. I mean, I ain't going after it. Like, see ya. Dad, someone stole one of your sheep. Sorry. You know, he went after it. And he struck it. And he, that, that's extraordinary. But while he was out there doing a seemingly insignificant task, God allowed an opportunity to come that would develop him for what he would need in the future. Because it was those skills that he learned while tending sheep that eventually gave him the confidence to face off after a Goliath. And that's what David said. I fought a lion and a bear. I've seen these things before. This giant, it's just like one of them. Now, I don't know about you. I saw the kangaroo, by the way, hopping in the park. I freaked out because those things are big. I, I, I stayed like 50 yards away from it. I ain't going close. I can't imagine chasing down a lion or a bear. But see, oftentimes we look at the small things that we're doing and we don't see how it could potentially connect to later things in the future. But God uses these, these seemingly insignificant moments to prepare us for the significant moments later on. Again, imagine David now. He's out there tending sheep. I'm the king. What am I doing out here? God had a plan for that. I'm going to use this to develop you into the man that you need to be who will one day be king. And when the lion, by the way, man, when the lion came, I'd be like, what? First of all, God, I'm the king and I'm tending sheep, but now you're going to send a lion against me? Now you're going to send a bear? But God understood and God knew that David would need that experience to give him the confidence to face off with the Goliath later on. And it's easy to feel like in the midst of mundane things of life that it's, it's pointless, it's purposeless. With God, nothing is pointless and purposeless. Amen? With God, nothing is meaningless. God will take everything that we go through and use it to form in us the character and the skills that are necessary for the purpose that God has for our lives. The question is, are we going to be faithful to God? Are we going to be faithful to continue to serve in the moments that we're given, or are we going to run? Because if David had just let the lion and bear carry off the sheep, he wouldn't have learned how to fight, right? If he had just said, well, not my sheep, it's my dad's sheep not my problem, like, like I probably would have done, right? He would have never learned the skill. He would have never learned to fight. He would have never gained the character and the courage that would be necessary to deal with what he needs to, needed to do later on. Well, all of us are put in situations where sometimes we may feel like this is insignificant. Maybe we feel like at work, what we do is insignificant. Or what we're doing, for those of you that are students in school, this is insignificant, this doesn't matter. Or what we do around the house with our family and our spouses and our kids, we just feel like, what does this really matter in the grander scheme of things? Every, every, every bit of it God is using to develop us to be the people that he's called us to be. The question is, will we lean in and be faithful or will we say, that's not my problem, it's not my sheep, right? Not my sheep, not my problem, I'm not going to step out in faith, I'm not going to be faithful. Then we miss the opportunity to grow in the way that God is calling for us to grow. I remember when one of the first... Uh, responsibilities I ever had in church. I was put in charge when we were back up at Momilani uh, Elementary School. I was in charge of closing up the cafeteria after church on Sunday night. And so my job was to be the last guy to leave, to lock up, make sure everything was put back right so we didn't get in trouble with the school. And uh, one of the, the, our Sunday night services were mostly young adults and, and high school students. And so um, at the end of the service, we'd have to break down. And so I tried to re- recruit teams to be a part to help me close up. But inevitably, once the service was over, everyone went to their corners and started talking story and hanging out. And I was left by myself, packing up chairs and putting things away. And I remember one time I had such a bad attitude about this because all the people that I asked to help, they, they weren't helping. And, uh, and so I started putting the, the cafeteria tables away by myself. And with a really big at, bad attitude, I tried to make as much noise as possible to hopefully get people to realize what I was doing. And be like, oh yeah, that's right. I said I would help you. So I'm like pulling on the table. Ah, 
<laughs> and I look around, people would look up and they go right back to their conversation. And that just made me matter, you know? And so I remember I was, I was just having a conversation with the Lord. You know how you do that every now and then when you're having a bad attitude? It's like, God, it's so unfair. Why do I have to do this? This is stupid. These people don't, they don't care about me. You know what? You ever have a, have a pity party? You know, no one loves me, right? And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me in the midst of my bad attitude, who did I ask to do this? I said, well, me. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, then why are you mad at them? Why are you mad at everybody else? Just do what I've asked you to do. And that was a very profound moment for me because here's what we often do. We look at what other people are doing or what other people aren't doing, and then we compare that to ourselves. Isn't that true? That's why social media is so bad now because we're constantly looking at what other people are doing. Oh, oh you went on a cruise again. Oh, Disneyland, all oh, right on, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Right, and we just get all salty. We get all bitter. Oh, another expensive dinner. Wow, while we're eating our, you know, home-cooked, whatever. And we're just having a bad attitude about it. And we compare ourselves. And here's what God is saying. We're not supposed to compare ourselves to what other people are doing. How are we doing it being faithful with what's in front of us? Because even though no one else may notice that, God sees. Amen? Even no one else saw what David was doing out with the sheep, fighting the lion and fighting the bear. God saw that. But oftentimes when we compare to other people, we stop being faithful to what he's asked us to do. If David compared himself to his brothers, he would say, I don't want to tend sheep no more. Man, they're all doing other stuff. No one cares about me. But he said, no, no, no. I'm going to be faithful to God with what God has placed in front of me. And guess who saw that? God saw that. And guess who placed him and positioned him for promotion? God did that. The question we have to ask ourselves is, how are we being faithful to the things that God has placed in our hands? How are we doing at being faithful to the work that he's given to us? Whether it's at our jobs, in our homes, with our family, on, in school. Because if we're faithful to God, God is faithful to us. Can I hear an amen to that? See, confidence and skill are developed in phases. As we're serving, God develops us. And maybe we can't see it in the moments, but God is developing us. He's developing our character. Most of all, as we said in the beginning, he's developing a heart of a servant, which is essential for the greatness that God has called for us. Look at what Colossians 3 says. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for who? The Lord as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from who? The Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Look at that. With whatever you do, it is the Lord Christ we're serving. That means our work. It means our schoolwork. It means our chores. If you're teenagers around the house, trying to get my kids to understand this, right? Whatever you do, you're doing it for God because the reward comes from God. Even though your boss may never give you a promotion, guess who's his boss? Even though people may never recognize you and celebrate you for what you do, guess who's watching and is the one who ultimately rewards? It's the Lord. He sees everything done in secret. The question is, are we faithful? Or is the Lord watching from heaven and watching us be unfaithful in our tasks and watching us give half okole effort, right? For those of you watching online from another place in the world, that means but, okay? Or giving half of an effort, right? Are, does God see faithfulness or does he see faithlessness in the midst of our tasks? Because when we say, God, where's my promotion? God's saying, well, you kind of have Fokolia at work every single day. God, where's my blessing? God's saying, I see how you treat your kids and your wife and your spouse and your husband. I see how you, you, you do things in private when you think no one sees. I don't want to bless that. Or he sees, I see that faithfulness when no one's looking. I see that diligence and that hard work, even though it doesn't give you a reward in the moment. That's a person that I can bless and a person I can promote. Why did God give David this opportunity to face off with Goliath? And we know the story. He kills him, cuts off his head, becomes Israel's champion. 
because he saw his faithfulness in private. If David was unfaithful in private, God wouldn't have put him on a platform. We need to be faithful in private. Can I hear an amen? And work in everything as we're working for the Lord. When I was in college, I worked at this uh, car dealership for a little while. And one of the things I hated the most was coming in on Saturday morning because Saturday morning was like the filing day where we had to take all the paperwork and file it and organize it. And that was my job to put everything in alphabetical order and to file it away. I hated that. Five or six hours doing that drove me mad every single Saturday morning. And so I had a bad attitude many times, like, like uh, hopefully I'm not the only one that's ever had a bad attitude. But I was just, just kind of like doing half a college job. And I was purposely putting things out of order just to see if anyone would notice, partly because I was bored. And I was just like, oh, this is so dumb. I hate doing this. This is so stupid. You can hire a monkey to do this. I was just, you know, all these things going through my head. And I, was just, I just want my paycheck. I just want to collect my paycheck and get out of here. And I felt the Holy Spirit convict me one, one morning. He said, if you're going to do that kind of job, and expect a paycheck, you're stealing from this company. If you're going to do that kind of effort, put that kind of effort in and expect them to pay you full rate, you are stealing from this company. And while I was sitting there, the fear of God fell on me. And I went and looked for all the stuff I put out of order and I took it out and I was like, (laughs) my boss never knew. Hopefully you're not here now, you know. (laughs) But God knew and God was challenging me. See, God sees all the things that we do in private and he's work. He wants to see faithfulness because when we're faithful, God knows he can promote us. Faithfulness in the small things demonstrates that we can be trusted with greater. When we're faithful in small things, God sees now I can trust you with greater. You are a man, you are a woman that I can trust with greater responsibility, greater blessing because you're not going to lord it over people. You're not going to mistreat it. You're going to use it to be a blessing. Therefore, I can trust you with more. And that's what Jesus said. Look what it says in Luke chapter 16. We shared this uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I think it's appropriate here again. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Can we be trusted with little? And whoever is dishonest with, with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you're not trustworthy in small things, who will trust you with greater things? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? How we are faithful in the small things, God sees. David was faithful with his father's sheep. They weren't even his sheep. And when a lion and bear carried it off, he went after it. Not because it was his. It was somebody else's. Many of us, if we're tending someone else's sheep or working in someone else's company or taking care of someone else's stuff, we don't treat it as good as our own because it's not mine. I don't care. David didn't do that. He was faithful with someone else's, and so God entrusted him with something for himself later on. How are we doing at that? I love what Proverbs 22 says, see a man or a woman skillful in their work, they will stand before kings. They will not stand before obscure men. If we're faithful in the little, if we're faithful in our work, if we're faithful in the small things, God sees that and he'll promote us. And by the way, people watch, right? How we work, how we handle things. And many times we want to be a good witness to our coworkers. And if we're, we're, we're dogging it, we're not doing a good job, we're purposely slacking off, or we're, we're, the, we're the least reliable people, that's not a good witness for the kingdom. Amen? And one day when we say, hey, you, you, you need to know Jesus, they're going, brah, if your Jesus makes you that lazy, I don't need him. If your Jesus is teaching you to be that unfaithful, I don't want any part of that. If your Jesus is teaching you to have a bad attitude, then I don't, I don't need him. We should be the most faithful at work. Amen? We should be the most responsible, the most reliable, the most dependable, the most trustworthy because it points to our worthy, worthy God. Can I hear an amen to that? And then lastly, as we get ready to close, significant moments are conquered ultimately through the perspective of faith in God. 
the significant moments, the big moments that do come to every single one of our lives are ultimately conquered through a perspective of faith. I love David's confession in verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. It always befuddled me why the king would say, all right, teenage boy, <laughs> you go face off of this grown man giant with your sling. Yeah, go, go ahead, you know. But here's, here's something. David understood it wasn't me and my strength that conquered the lion and the bear. The Lord did it. The Lord did it. See, when we're faithful in the small things and we see God come through in small things, he gives us bigger things. And then we see the Lord come through in bigger things, right? Lions, right? Bears, eventually. And then when we face the Goliaths of life, there's confidence because the Lord was with me with the lion. The Lord was with me through the bear and the Lord will be with me in this battle against this giant. When we're faithful in the small, we see God come through and that builds our faith for greater things. Maybe right, we may never face an actual Goliath or a giant in our lives, but we have uh, obstacles and challenges that sure feel like Goliaths. Isn't that true? Like, like I said, I mean, the external challenges in the world, geopolitical issues, financial things, relational stuff in our families. There's so many challenges that you and I will face. But when we're faithful to God in the small, we see him come through. And that builds faith for greater and greater challenges and greater and greater victories. Because ultimately, when we're faithful to God, we see that he's the one that delivers us. He's the one that gives us breakthrough. And he is the one who will give us breakthrough in the future as well. I love what David said in the Psalms. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. It wasn't me and my might. It wasn't me and my smarts. It wasn't me and my skill. It was the Lord that delivered me. That has to be our confession. As we take steps of faith, we'll see the Lord come through, and it is God that gets the glory. One of, the, one of my favorite stories coming out of uh, spending time with the pastors and leaders in Australia uh, was from Pastor Larry and Elaine Matsuwaki, and I, we have a picture of them uh, up on screen. Pastor Larry is a local boy from Kauai. His wife, Elaine, is from Singapore, and uh, he uh, felt the call of God to plant a church in Singapore, local boy from the island of Kauai. So he and his wife moved to Singapore. They planted a church, started off with, with, with nobody. I mean, it, he literally just felt God call him. So he said, all right, I'm going to go. Went to Singapore, started serving in another church, and they eventually planted a church of their own. Turned that thing into a little over 2,000 people, which is a massive church in Singapore. Uh, and then he felt the Holy Spirit tell him to give the church away and to just be travel apostolically and help other churches and pastors. So he did that for several years. And then the Holy Spirit put on, put on his heart to uh, go and plant a church in Melbourne, Australia because there were some people from Singapore that had moved there. So he and his wife, Elaine, were taking scouting trips from Singapore to Melbourne, Australia. And the last scouting trip they took was in February of 2020. You all know what happened around February of 2020. With just one suitcase each, they were in Melbourne, Australia, when the world shut down. A couple thousand miles away from home, away from their kids, away from their family, with just a suitcase each, they found themselves stranded in Australia. Now, I don't know about you. I probably would have felt sorry for myself. Maybe got a little mad at God. God, what are you doing? I came here to serve you, and I'm here in Australia for you, and you get me stranded now. What do we do? But guess what? Because they saw the faithfulness of God over decades of ministry, they didn't flinch. All right, if we're locked down, we're going to start this church. So they started online Zoom meetings with people, online services throughout the pandemic, and over two years, during the lockdowns, during the pandemic, again, thousands of miles away from home with just a suitcase each, they planted this church in Australia, 
all online. And when the, when the, pandem- when the restrictions lifted, they had a little, a little over 100 people in their church uh, meeting in person. I got to minister to them uh, this past Sunday. It was just so encouraging to see. But here's what I love. They didn't let the external opposition stop them. They said, all right, this Goliath, we're going to face it down just like we faced down the other ones. And just as God gave us victory all those decades and years before, this Goliath will fall just like that. They weren't daunted by the obstacle because they saw the faithfulness of God over years. And the result is families all across Australia are being touched now and they're getting ready to plant another location in a nearby city. And I just go, wow, I don't know if I would have had that kind of faith. If I was stranded far away from home with just a suitcase away from my kids, I'd have been pretty upset, I think. I hope not. I hope, I hope I'd do better. But I, I, I think that I would be pretty upset with God. I was here for you and you got me stranded, God. But they didn't say that because they understood. God came through then. He came through then. All this way, this is just another challenge that God's going to help us to overcome as well. It's the Lord that helps us to overcome. So oftentimes we're confident in our strength and our abilities. God wants us to gain a confidence in Him. How does that come? As we're faithful in the small things. As we're faithful to God to be a servant in the little things of life, our faith grows and our confidence grows in our great God. Can I hear an amen to that? What giants are you facing right now in life? What lions, what bears is the enemy sending at you? If we're faithful to God, He will help us to conquer them so that we have the courage and the strength to face the Goliaths later on that will eventually define our destiny. But it starts in these small moments. What small challenges, what small lions, what small bears are you facing? May we be faithful so that God can grow us into the men and women he's called us to be. Can I hear an amen to that? Will you bow your heads with me as we come to a close? Father, we thank you.